Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for Monday, November 4th, 2019. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite hockey team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren and I'm your host as always. It is a pleasure to be with you today to kick off a new week of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Here we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also find me on the Twitter machine at Ian C. McLaren. That's I-A-N-C-M-C-L-A-R-E-N. Please subscribe, download, listen, rate, and review the show on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts would be very, very much appreciated. Now on with today's show, and we have a a busy weekend to wrap up. Uh, The Bruins defeated the Ottawa Senators on Saturday by a score of 5-2, and there's quite a lot to talk about from that game, so we'll uh, take a look back at that, and also a quick preview of Monday's game against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins to begin the show. Uh, Coming up in a little bit, we'll do the Atlantic Division Power Rankings, and then finally, as we do every day, Uh, Just a quick tour of the NHL to see what is making headlines around the league. To begin, let's take a quick look back at Saturday's game against the Ottawa Senators. The Bruins scored three goals during a very strong third period to pick up a 5-2 win over the Ottawa Senators on home ice. Uh, They extended their win streak to five games and point streak to nine. Again, they've only suffered one regulation loss to date this season. And that was against the Colorado Avalanche back on a season-opening four-game road trip. Uh, Danton Heinen was credited with the game winner. And uh, Brad Marchand and Jake DeBrusque later added insurance goals to uh, seal the win. Heinen had a very strong game. Uh, he, uh, his winner was in- incredibly impressive. He started uh, with a strong play in the neutral zone to disrupt a breakout by the Senators. Uh, tapped the puck back into the Ottawa end. DeBrusque followed up with a, a nice forecheck to free the puck for Heinen at the bottom of the right wing circle. He then picked up the puck, cut straight to the net, and deked around Craig Anderson, uh, with, and it was his third goal of the season, giving the Bruins a 3-2 lead at the time. Uh, Heinen credited DeBrusque for um, helping set that play up, kind of deflecting uh, credit from himself, as hockey players are wont to do. DeBrusque and uh, Heinen have, of course, been playing together on the second line uh, with David Krejci. And, uh, I mean, we've talked a lot about secondary scoring for the Bruins, and it was nice to see the second line um, get involved in the scoring. Um, so that is a very big positive uh, that came out of this game. On the negative side, those of you who watched or saw the highlights, you'll uh, have seen that Ottawa forward Scott Sabarin uh, was um, stretchered off the ice in uh, the first period. Um, it was just about three minutes into the game. He and David Backus collided uh, close to the boards, and Sabrin appeared to lose consciousness right on contact and then fell hard to the ice as a result, uh, kind of head first. Um, Bacchus immediately uh, signaled urgently for uh, medical assistance, as Sabrin lay motionless on the ice. Uh, I think it was uh, a 10-minute total delay 
uh, at, from the time of the incident until Sabarin was was uh, stretchered off the ice. Um, it was later reported that he was transported to the local hospital. He was conscious and speaking with the attending doctors. At the time of leaving the arena, he also gave uh, a thumbs up as um, he left the ice. So it's, it's, it was great to see some positive updates about Sabarin. Um, David Backus was very visibly uh, shaken up. There were uh, some who noted that he had tears in his eyes as he left the ice at that point, and he did not return. Uh, we'll touch on that just in a moment. But, um, you know, it obviously left an impact on everyone involved. I can't even imagine how uh, players can get back uh, into the groove and just start playing right away, uh, laying the body on each other, just knowing that uh, one of their uh, colleagues has uh, had to been taken to the hospital. Um, Brad Marchand, after the game, he said, we're all thinking about Sabrin, hope that he's okay. You never want to see that happen to anybody, and it's scary. It kind of shakes you after that happens, and it's tough to get back in the mindset of playing a game. But I think everyone just kind of got through that period, and then after the first, tried to regroup and get back at it. And sure enough, there were some skirmishes and, and quite a lot of uh, physical action later on in the game. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Bacchus was clearly shaken up, both physically and mentally. Um, he remained on the ice until after Sabrin was taken off, uh, but then he did leave the game. Uh, he only played 34 seconds in the game uh, and did not return uh, because of what the Bruins referred to as an upper body injury. Marchand, uh, he said, I don't really know what was going on there. That's tough to go through on the other side too, meaning of uh, Bacchus being kind of the one to uh, get off a bit easier in that collision. You don't ever want to see somebody get hurt, Marchand continued, and it's unfortunate the way it kind of played out. We don't want to see Bacchus get hurt, obviously. Hopefully they're both okay in a recovery and they're back at it soon. So... Um, yeah, really tough situation there uh, for both Bacchus and Sabrin. Sabrin uh, posted on Instagram uh, on Sunday afternoon that uh, from his hospital room, I believe he suffered a broken nose, uh, which uh, all things considered, that's uh, one of the best case scenarios from that incident. And uh, he should be back in the lineup uh, at some point, which is, um, which is great to see. I mentioned that Things picked up a bit in the second period. Marchand actually was given six minutes in penalties, two for hooking and four for spearing, and uh, the Senators had quite a long power play as a result. Uh, 55 seconds of five-on-three, and then five-on-five. Five, sorry, five minutes and five seconds of five-on-four. But they were not able to score on the Bruins uh, with their uh, excellent penalty kill just performing on all cylinders there. The power play... <clears throat> was rolling as well. Uh, they got two power play goals, one from Pasternak, his 13th of the season, and the other from Marchand. If you missed Pasternak's goal, it came off uh, an incredible play by Tori Krug, who kind of slap-dumped it down the ice, came off the boards right to Pasternak. He picked it up and then deked Craig Anderson for the goal. Um, Marchand... Uh, is now on a 11-game point streak with eight goals and 15 assists, uh, which was pretty crazy. And um, yeah, Pasternak remains on fire. Uh, he had the goal and another two assists. 
Bergeron actually picked up an assist on Marchand's goal and hit, gave him 500 for his career. He's just the sixth player in Bruins history to reach that mark, joining Ray Bork, Johnny Busick, Bobby Orr, Phil Esposito, and Wayne Cashman. And uh, Jack Edwards on the broadcast mentioned that um, another milestone for the last player who will wear number 37 for the Bruins. And if there's any doubt as to um, whether or not his number will be retired, um, that will be a foregone conclusion. Uh, and maybe it's a topic for another podcast, but how many of the current guys will get their numbers uh, retired? I would say Chara has a good shot, obviously. No, I'd say that's a guarantee. Um, maybe Tuca, um, perhaps Marshan. He's kind of a bubble guy, but I would say Bergeron, Marshan. No, sorry, Bergeron, Rask, and Chara for sure will have their numbers retired. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. Obviously, that's a a while away. Uh, hopefully. Um, so I mentioned about. Bacchus earlier, just a quick update on him from Bruce Cassidy uh, that was dropped on Sunday. Cassidy said he's doing a little better than he was on Saturday night, uh, but he's doubtful for the next couple games. The Bruins have a back-to-back beginning uh, Monday evening here tonight against Pittsburgh, and then they travel to Montreal to face the Canadians on Tuesday. So Cassidy said he's doubtful for those couple of games. They'll have a better idea on Monday. If it's an upper body injury, it was a pretty big collision. The level of concern would be the same for anybody if you get that hard. Uh, Cassidy added, I'm sure, like everybody, he was a little rattled by everything that transpired. We'll see how he does Monday and move forward from there. It's hard for me to say right now until the exact injury is determined. Obviously, um, Bacchus does have a concussion history um, with the Bruins, uh, especially. He's had at least three or four, I believe. Um, so that's always a, a concern when um, someone gets uh, knocked in the head like like that. Um, that's kind of a lot to touch on there from Saturday's game. Again, it was an eventful night, uh, both positively and negatively. Um, but we will take a quick look at the Penguins game coming up tonight uh, before the end of the show. Before we jump into the Atlantic Division Power Rankings, I just wanted to encourage you to treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, Locked On Boston Bruins listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. And as we do every Monday, it is time for the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. I bet you can guess who the number one team is this week. But we'll start at the bottom and work our way up. Down in number eight, again, I'm putting the Detroit Red Wings this week. They are 4, 10, and 1 through 15 games. Uh, They have nine points, which is not the lowest in the Atlantic Division. But um, you'll see why they're at the bottom in a moment. They have a... Goal differential of minus 24, which I believe is worst in the league. Uh, San Jose Sharks are the next lowest with a minus 20. Pull that with the fact that, as I mentioned, they only have 9 points in 15 games. Um, It's a pretty sad state of affairs in the Motor City. Uh, The next team coming in at number 7, I'll put the Ottawa Senators, who the Bruins just defeated, as we talked about earlier. They're 3-8-1. In 
12 games played, so only 7 points, 2 back of Detroit, but they do have 3 games in hand, and their uh, goal differential is only minus 11, which is a bit more respectable than the minus 24 currently being posted by Detroit. As has been the case all season, those are the two clear bottom teams, and things get a bit more interesting as we move higher in the standings. Coming in at number six, I'm going to put the Tampa Bay Lightning. They continue to struggle uh, out of the gate so far this season. They've played 13 games. They have a record of 6-5-2, 14 points. Uh, they do have two games in hand on uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, the Buffalo Sabres, who are above them in the standings, uh, and a game in hand on the Montreal Canadiens, who are directly above them. Uh, but what's discouraging for this team is that they have a minus three goal differential. And again, they have um, lost more games than they have won, uh, if you count uh, overtime losses. So they've, and shootout losses, they've won six games, they've lost seven games, uh, including shootout and overtime. So a very discouraging start to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, kind of a, not, I wouldn't say polar opposite from last season, but. Uh, very different from where they were this time last year, kind of uh, just beginning their romp through the NHL. Uh, you could argue that this is a good thing that they're struggling at this point as they try to uh, just find a groove for when it matters most because we all know how their season ended in 2019. But, um, you know, the Atlantic division is incredibly competitive, and if they don't get going sooner than later, they may... Um, you know, come to regret this uh, slow start that they've had. The fifth place team, I'm going to put the Toronto Maple Leafs. They are 7-5-3 through 15 games. They've played the most uh, with Buffalo and Detroit. They have a 17 points through 15 games. They're currently, I believe, in a wild card position. But uh, again, they're only a point up on the Canadians. The Canadians have a game in hand. Uh, I think I forgot to mention the, oh, I guess we haven't talked about the Canadians yet. The uh, Maple Leafs have a goal differential of plus one, uh, which is pretty sad considering all the offensive weapons they have at their disposal. John Tavares has been out of the lineup for a couple weeks, so maybe we can cut them a bit of slack in that respect, but the defense remains a bit of a tire fire, especially with Jake Muzzin out. Uh, they did not look particularly great against the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday, despite coming out with a, a shootout win. Um, so still some big questions around this Maple Leafs team, in my estimation. And um, if things continue, uh, you know, we could see a trade or two. Uh, they need to clear some roster uh, spots for when Zach Hyman and John Tavares come back. Uh, is Mike Babcock's seat getting warmer by the day? Who can tell? But um, it's a distinct possibility that he could be the fall guy if things continue to uh, go poorly for the Maple Leafs. So that's the bottom four teams in the Atlantic Division right now. Detroit, Ottawa, Tampa Bay, Toronto. In the fourth spot, I'm going to put the um, Montreal Canadiens. They are 7-5-2 through 14 games, 16 points, plus 6 goal differential. Um, and they have been, yeah, pretty uh, somewhat impressive to start the season. I wouldn't say pretty impressive, but uh, they're hanging in there. 
kind of what we expected them to be, a playoff bubble team, uh, strong in net, obviously, uh, pretty pretty solid on defense, and some um, yeah reliable scorers out front. Whether or not they have the depth and uh, you know the ability overall to to hang in a playoff contention for the rest of the season remains to be seen. But um, it'll be fun to watch the Bruins and Canadians square off for the first time in the regular season here on Tuesday night in Montreal. Always a spirited affair, and uh, the Canadians may have something to prove against the Bruins uh, in the way of, uh, you know, trying to just show the rest of the league that they are for real. The Bruins will be coming off a game against Pittsburgh on Monday, so... Um, Canadians may have an upper hand there, just having uh, extra rest and being at home, but I believe the plan is to play Tuka Rask against the Canadians. So, um, you know, the way he's been playing so far this season and dating back to the playoffs, uh, it's a good bet that uh, the Bruins can uh, take care of business against the Canadians. Coming in at number three, I'll put the Florida Panthers. They are 7-3-4 to begin the season. They've had a very difficult schedule. And Sergei Bobrovsky, as we've mentioned on the podcast multiple times, has really struggled out of the gate for this team. But they are in uh, third place in the Atlantic with uh, 18 points. Uh, Two back of uh, Buffalo for second place. Only four back of the Bruins for uh, first place in the division. Um, They have a game in hand on the Sabres as well, although they have played one more than the Bruins. Um, so I really believe that once Florida's goaltending settles down, the underlying numbers really suggest that this team will be a force coming up down the stretch and into the later months of the season. Uh, they're a very offensively uh, talented team and the defense uh, is, is strong as well. So once Bobrovsky starts to make the saves that they're paying him to make, uh, I really believe that the Panthers will be uh, a playoff team. The fact that they are in third position in the Atlantic, despite the early season struggles from their, uh, you know, uh, very highly compensated goaltender, uh, bodes well for them moving forward if he can figure it out. Coming in number two will be the Buffalo Sabres. They're nine four and two. Uh, they have a plus five goal differential, twenty points. They have slowed down in recent uh, days. And, uh, you know, they had a hot start. I think they were 8-1 and one at one point. Um, so they have cooled off a little bit, uh, kind of facing their first bit of adversity under new head coach Ralph Kruger. Um, but credit where credit's due, they have amassed a pretty impressive record to date. And they're only two back of the Bruins, although they have played two more games. Um, I would expect them to slide a little bit. Uh, coming up, I, I don't, I didn't have them pegged as a playoff team coming into the season, and like I mentioned, Florida has has played really well, and you'd expect Toronto and Tampa to move up as time goes on, and Buffalo may be the uh, the one to fall as a result, uh, but for now they remain in second place, and that brings us to our Boston Bruins. They're ten one and two through thirteen games, plus nineteen goal differential, which. As I scan the rest of the league, is tied for tops with the Vancouver Canucks, uh, who are nine three and two through fourteen games. 
So about as good of a start for the Bruins as you could have expected. They're one point back of the Capitals for a top spot in the Eastern Conference, and they have two games in hand on uh, the Capitals. So, um, yeah, the Bruins, number one team in the Atlantic Division. There's no question about that right now. Uh, and anybody who disputes that just, uh, yeah, isn't thinking properly. They do have, like I mentioned, tough games against Pittsburgh and Montreal coming up. That could be a bit of a, a wake-up call for the Bruins or you know, their first um, steps back towards uh, more expected levels of success. Obviously, they're not going to maintain this kind of win percentage throughout the entire regular season, uh, but uh, they have taken care of business to date. Like I mentioned, only one regulation loss so far. That came against Colorado back in early uh, season action. And um, yeah, all credit to the Bruins, Bruce Cassidy, Tuka Rask, and Co. Everybody from the defense out is playing uh, really great right now. Questions about secondary scoring have uh, fallen by the wayside as other guys are starting to chip in. And um, I think the big questions now are who will play uh, with uh, Backus out of the lineup if Brett Rich is able to come back for Pittsburgh or if they need to call somebody else up. Um, so that's the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. To recap, starting from 8 to 1, we have the Red Wings, Senators, Lightning, Maple Leafs, Canadians, Panthers, Sabres, and our Boston Bruins. Uh, so yeah, that's the Atlantic Division Power Rankings for another week. Stick with me for a few more minutes as we just take a quick look around the NHL. And before we wrap up today, let's take a quick look at some news and notes from around the NHL. Just came down Sunday afternoon that our old friend Milan Lucic has been suspended two games by the NHL for uh, sucker punching some guy on the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'd be lying if I said I remembered his name. Um, but yeah, not really uh, doing much in the way of helping the uh, Calgary Flames in his tenure so far. One uh, interesting rumor that came up from Saturday night's headlines on Hockey Night in Canada, for those in the States, that's a pretty big segment on Hockey Night in Canada where Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnston uh, break down some reports from around the NHL. Uh, Johnston reported that Jesse Pugliarvi, his strong play in Finland, has attracted some suitors on the NHL trade market. A 21-year-old, former, well, not former, but he was a third overall pick, I believe. Uh, he has been playing pretty well over there, and, and Oilers general manager Ken Holland is heading over to Finland to watch him play at an upcoming international tournament. Uh, they don't, Johnston doesn't believe that the Oilers have made a decision if they'll try to trade Pugliarvi right away, wait until the September 1 deadline to re-sign restricted free agents approaches, or try and keep him. Uh, Johnston, however, believes the New York Rangers have shown persistent interest in Pugliarvi. He's a guy that I mentioned uh, a couple times as a guy that the Bruins should take a look at as a kind of a, a low-risk, high-reward type uh, transaction. Um, but it looks like the Rangers are pretty hot and heavy for Pugliarvi services. And... Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. The Oilers are obviously off to a great start, and if there's some way they can reconcile with Pugliarvi, that's probably the best 
course of action for them unless they're blown away by a trade offer. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with Pugliarvi in the coming days. Uh, that situation will be resolved by um, December 1st at the latest because, uh, as you remember, with William Neander, Neander last year, that's the deadline for restrictor free agents to sign. If he doesn't sign by then, uh, he can't play in the NHL this season. Finally, uh, I just wanted to point out a an article on NHL.com that was written by Amelie Benjamin. She wrote a feature on uh, Boston Bruins bartender slash anthem singer Ty Angeli. Um, it's a really great piece, and I really uh, suggest you check it out. She spent some time at the bar that he tends during games after singing, and uh, it's a pretty cool story and a good look at what he does and uh, the kind of positive impact he makes for Bruins fans uh, during the game while he's doing his bartending duties. Um, so yeah, that's Locked On Boston Bruins for another day. Bruins play tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So if you want to follow tweets for that game, you can follow at LO underscore Boston Bruins or follow me at ENC McLaren. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to take a look at what happened in that game and also preview Tuesday's game against the Montreal Canadiens. Again, this is the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite hockey team every single day. Please follow the show, uh, like I mentioned on Twitter, and please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a rating and a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Always appreciate you spending time with me to talk Bruins. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out on Twitter, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Take care, friends. Talk to you tomorrow.